Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the morning sports brief. No, what am I talking about? Morning sports brief. Sorry, there was no morning sports brief this morning because, hey, I've got a bit of a, uh, bit of a sore throat. Been overdoing it a bit recently. So hence... Um, yes, it says, I wish it was. this was beer. It's not. It's hot lemon and honey. Uh, welcome to the Super Rugby AU Round 1 review. Um, and I'm going to lean on these other three guys, as you can tell, because, hey, I'm all a bit bunged up, not feeling great. Um, but uh, joining me I'm from the deep south, um, we have uh, um, Steve or Cornflake or even a good looking Steve, as um, as uh, John used to say. How are you doing down there? Jeez, I haven't heard that one for a while. Oh, good, 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 good. Uh, another beautiful day down here in paradise, eh? So, yep, all is well. Well, hey, you know what? It's super rugby, so hence we've got to, um, we're, it's, we're back into it. It's bring out all the old cliches. Um, remember, folks, it's early doors. Uh, we've got a few more a few more rounds to go. Um, we have Stephen. Full from credit, the full credit. Full credit? Yeah. The, <laughs> and we have Stephen from the far north. How are you doing, sir? Very good. Thank you, Paul. Privilege and a pleasure. I suspect, though, you've lost your voice um, due to that uh, a little trip you had on the uh, jet boat and were screaming so hard as you were going around the course, you completely lost your voice. So I think that's really the, the crux of it, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Well, it might have been if it wasn't. That, that was that was last weekend, not even this weekend. So that was seven days ago. Um, but, folks, do check out New Zealand Sports Radio uh, Facebook page where you can see me, um, yeah, as as Stephen says, getting, made, getting absolutely scared, um, being spun around a track. Um, and uh, look, Cornflake even said the editing looked almost professional. Um, so um, as you know, he actually it looked professional. I don't believe him. I think he's being nice. Um, but uh, my first attempt at real editing uh, there on that video. Um, also joining us is uh, the man from the Safe Rugby Tackle Framework. And uh, thankfully, we're not reviewing um, the Gallagher Premiership. Otherwise, um, five red cards in, he would have plenty to say. Um, but um, so uh, how are you doing? I am very well. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. And it's uh, nice to be on this panel with uh, some esteemed company. And no doubt, Steve uh, Cornflake down south, you'll be very happy with the Highlanders' form line. So am I with that early form line. Uh, if you recall, last time we were online together, I did tip the Highlanders to be the long shot. And uh, 
having seen some of that preseason form, yeah, they're looking very good. I'm very happy that the Blues uh, did what they did yesterday. I, was, I have to say, I wasn't expecting them to win at all. In fact, uh, given the disruptions they've had, much thanks to Level 3, I was actually expecting to get a bit of a hiding, but surprise, surprise, boy, they really turned up and did the damage. I'll save those hidings for when the season really gets underway. Um, that's when we'll see the Blues get smashed. Don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> you, you think we might have a uh, something like a uh, Clermont um, versus Bayon, which finished 73-3 um, um, in the top 14. Hopefully we don't see anything like that in the in the Super Rugby. Pretty sure that's round one, isn't it? Highlanders, Crusaders, Forsyth Bar. It's 73-3 to, to the home team, of course. Well, hey, that's that's the order that we set it in, 73-3. So, yeah, it must be to the home team, as you say. Brilliant. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> That'd be about 100 to an odds for that, Daphne. <laughs> I was say, anybody out there who thinks about gambling, do not follow conflicts uh, conflict <laughs> on that one. Um, um, talking of gambling, uh, something I'm, I am going to give a go-to um, is something called Sports Forecast. Uh, you'll be able to join that with a um, with a promo code coming up. But um, so, folks, that that's uh, keep a lookout for that because um, yeah, um, some interesting stuff going on there with that uh, the old algorithm people are doing um, around the old betting as well. So, um, but hey, we're here to talk about some rugby games that happened. First up, Queensland Reds versus the uh, New South Wales Waratahs. Um, we were a bit active on the old Facebook Messenger um, chatting about this one. Weren't we, boys? Um, so, um, look, Waratahs turned up and scored a try in two minutes. I mean, they looking good. Um, it was all going to be one-way traffic, wasn't it? Well, well it, was, it was good for, well, yeah, they needed a bit of Viagra after two minutes. It just went real flat, uh, turned into a bit of a mismatch, really. And then that second half was really, really difficult to watch. It was a real hard watch because the game was kind of, Drifting in and out, and was quite lackluster. Lots of stoppages. Uh, but one thing I have to say was the uh, there was a highlight in the game: the referees and the touch judges talking to each other and trying to speed the game up. Uh, one area of the game uh, which has been debated a lot has been the scrums. It was was really nice to see. Uh, there was a lot of encouragement for the players to get on with it. Uh, but apart from that, that first half, you know, you know, the, the, the Reds pretty much killed it off, and of course that red card, which was a very deserved red card, I must say, for utter stupidity. Uh, and it was it was a very dangerous tip tackle. That, that's the sort of stuff we need to get out of the game, get rid of it. Uh, but apart from that, 41-7, I think the, the scoreline pretty much reflected uh, how bad the Waratahs were. And I think it's only going to get more difficult for them unless, of course, they can change things around. Now... Here we are, kind of a couple, couple of minutes in, and we've just started talking about and Bowers decided to have the entire game all in one go. I asked you for your thoughts in the first two minutes, and you've gone and, um, geez, does anyone follow script or, 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 or it's like herding cats? That's, that's what I say. Um, um, Steve, look, I, you love your old, love your old uh, um, um, card counts. Uh, and let's oh. be honest, that tip tackle was a red card any day of the week. That's nothing about the new laws, is it? No, no. Well... Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been like that, hasn't it? You, you drop a guy on his head like that, do that sort of thing. What made it worse, it was so off the play and not off, you know, the ball was gone. The play had sort of carried on. Nothing was really happening there. And he just did something so stupid and, you know, rain explosion sort of stuff. You just make wonder what's going through his head at that time. And to, to make a decision to try and 
put a guy down like that when he's not even in the play. The, the play's completely gone. But yeah. What was that? Rugby league player, isn't he? Just 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 well, just positioned over. Well, what was really weird is he was a former red. Uh, mm-hmm. so that made it kind of a bit ironic as well. He's moved moved over to the Waratahs and then he just goes and yeah. Helps the old boys out. Here you go, lads. <laughs> You're already killing us anyway. Just have, have a little go. Have a little extra. Uh, I'll go take an early shower and um, let someone else come on 20 minutes later, which I thought uh, big talking point from that match is the first time we've seen that happen, isn't it? The red card with the replacement um, after 20 minutes uh, coming on. So, you know, as a, as a spectacle for that sort of things, I don't think it really changed anything uh, because, <laughs> like Boa says, the game was already carted by that point and uh, that extra player coming on, I guess it did even up, but I mean the Reds played a, a smart game uh, that early start Jake Gordon, probably the only good player that wore blue in that whole matchup um, for the Waratahs, he was a standout for them he's injured now, so that's yep, that's down the toilet for them completely but yeah, here's a standout, uh, the Reds are in control throughout that match um, Stephen yeah, the, the penalty count 14 to the Reds, 16 for the Waratahs we had that guy coming back from the, the red card. Uh, do you think that was so? What, what, a, I guess, are you along with are you with, with there with Steve around that uh, didn't really make much difference the, the new law, or, and um, and what do you think about the, the penalty count? Is that um, as we get at the beginning of tournaments, referees um, being hard on on things, and and, and that so the players will adjust? I think the damage was already done when the red card was given, but. Uh... It, and if I thought the Waratahs were better for the first 30 minutes of the of the second half. I thought they showed a bit of fight, and it wasn't until the last 10 minutes or so that the, the Reds scored a, another couple of tries to really get on top of them, and they just really got that authority through their scrum. They, they, were, they were very, very dominant at, at, at scrum time. It was not, I think the Waratahs are in a very situa- similar situation to where the Reds were probably about three seasons, where they, three seasons ago, where they're basically being starting to starting to rebuild and um, all I'm really looking for this Waratah side is is any young players that they've got that are just starting to stand out and listen the second five Walton really really impressed me when he did get a little bit of go forward ball he looks like he's got footwork can beat a player but boy on on, on saying that also not having a, a lot of experience and as mentioned before losing uh, Gordon for the season is going to be a bit of a tough, tough ask for these guys. This night, one guy I did keep an eye on though was was Sam Kidd, former Northland boy. I was really impressed with his work rate. Put a lot of work in and around the around the paddock, but uh, boy, in that in that last ten minutes or so, they were pretty much chasing shadows, especially with that scrum dominance that the uh, Reds had. Yeah, when you're bringing Tupu off the bench, I mean, look. Uh, the, uh, the the bench the, the Reds really had a bunch of finishers, as Eddie would say. Whereas the Waratahs had a bunch of guys who, well, will bring on because we need somebody. Um, different, uh, yeah, different kettle of fish. Uh, and, and you say the, the game was gone by then, um, anyway. Uh, one of the things that I liked about the Reds was as soon as it looked like it was semi-broken play, their players, uh, the support players, were very much deliberately running, uh, offloading support lines, not rucking support lines. Um, and they were, they were very clearly trying to keep that ball alive and move it quickly. Uh, and um, very different to say of Joe Schmidt's Island, where those players would have been uh, arriving a bit later deliberately to to get quick ball from the ruck. Um, but yes, clear, it was very clear to see the intent of the Reds, um, which I think was good to see. Um, the so any 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 sort of final comments, boys, around that? Any players that stood out or any uh, particular? Um, 
other uh, sort of tactics that you saw from this game? Yeah, look, uh, a couple of things. I uh, just want to quick mention uh, Harry Wilson, the back row for the Reds. He's uh, he had a tremendous game, and I think one key aspect to his game, he's really changed his tackle technique. Uh, if you recall, last uh, international season, he was a well deserved recipient of a red card for going in high. He made some tremendous tackles around the chest area and below, and he forced two solid turnovers. And also the Reds winger, Daigunu, out on the wing. Every single time, there's a very clear game plan. They wanted to shift the ball out wide. And uh, Paul, you make a very valid comment on how they ran into the gaps and looked for that offload game. And I think the Reds can continue on this way, build on some form, and they're going to be a, a very interesting proposition, uh, especially against a team like the Brumbies, who like to play a very structured defence. Yeah, some stats for you, Dongunu. Nine runs, 99 metres carried. Uh, the next highest I can find is about 54 metres, so nearly twice as much as anybody else. Uh, three clean breaks and six defenders beaten. Uh, very dangerous player with ball in hand. Um, perhaps not so much on the defensive side. Um, look, initially, that, that was one of the big things this was defensively. Waratahs missed a whole bunch of tackles. The Reds were good tackling in the first half. They fell off a whole bunch in the second half, mind you, to even up the stats. But by then, as you say, the game was gone. So who cares? Uh, the um, whereas, yeah, some of the I mean, Horton, the hooker for the for the Waratahs, missed four tackles, um, made six. Not a great um, ratio from him. Uh, and Harrison and Gordon, I think, missing three and two respectively. They're going to see plenty of traffic down their channel um, this uh, this season with those kind of stats. Um, and uh, guys, w one last shout, just with, with that red card, you know, you know this this rule about replacing players after 20, meet, 20 minutes, beg your pardon, you know, that's the sort of foul play red cards are there for. So they kind of made a mockery of the whole thing once you had that uh, option of replacing players. So, so again, this is where the limitations of some of the innovation, but they're trying to be too cute and they, they just got to really simplify it and keep things simple because, you know, that that piece of foul play, to me, looked quite deliberate. And fortunately, Hunter Paisami didn't land on his head because if he did, that it could have, you know, been a broken neck. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, I'm... I, 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 the whole point of the red card is not so much to... Uh, in this one, is, but it's, it's to be a deterrent. Um, so, look, it's such a big loss for your team that you don't do it. By replacing the player after 20 minutes, to me, you, you reduce that deterrent. Uh, and therefore, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm anti the 20-minute replacement. Uh, but I know a lot of people, um, I know that's, that's an unpopular opinion. Um, we'll see how it, how it impacts things. Because I don't think we had one last season in Super Rugby Altera. Or we did have one, and it was like within the last 10 minutes, within the last 20 minutes anyway. So it didn't actually come into effect. So we'll see We'll see if it makes, what, what, uh, what, what things from here. Um, Simon says, look, it's a bad side for Australian rugby when Waratah's doing badly. Um, yes, true, but they have lost 15 international players in the last two years, which um, is one hell of a player drain. Sure, Hooper's coming back. Uh, he's one of those 15. But even so, that's one hell of a player drain for the Waratahs in there. Um, Don't worry about Hooper. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just scrap him. He, he can go because I think you, you talked earlier about standout 
players. And I mean, I struggled to pick standout players in that Waratahs team. Jake Gordon, who I mentioned before, I thought was was the number one standout by far. But I'd probably give a bit of credit to that young Tizano guy. He played fairly well for a newcomer into that team. Um, nobody didn't know who he was. Um, I think his task against what was a pretty established and outstanding back row with Fraser McWright and, like Bowles mentioned, Harry Wilson, they were outstanding. Um, and yeah, Tizano, I think, did a, a fairly good uh, you know, role in, in that for the Waratahs. But a guy I think probably won't get mentioned, but um, Uru, what's his, what's his first uh, full name? Um, I can't find it now. But Uru, the second rower. Um, he was phenomenal. He was a massive ball carrier for, for the Reds. Um, a huge part. A, a great game from him. He's carried strongly. He was an open play. He's a big, uh, powerful player. And he's come from nowhere as well. So he had a really, really outstanding game um, for the Reds. But it's that back row, isn't it, that, that was outstanding. It's going to continue to be like that uh, for the Reds, I think, uh, in seasons to come. And James O'Connor, you've you got to put him. He outclassed. Uh, the young Harrison. As much as I, I love Will Harrison, I think he's a great little player and a huge future. O'Connor really played uh, that that role really, really well. He got his his fifty twenty two, you know, and he, he kind of that that was mission sorted for the day for James O'Connor. He loves those, uh, so he's good. But one thing I did want to mention when we talk about players, good and bad, you know, you see those Facebook pages and you see um, they quite often do with New Zealand rugby and they go, you know, the journeyman who you get, you know. Um, those guys that play forever and ever at clubs and, and to might attend cup level and things like that, they never eventuate to anything. Jack Maddox, Australian rugby, number one on your list. He is a guy who's just going to, he's going nowhere now. I can't see much of a future of him at all. He has been such a massive talent. Um, and now I, I struggle to even see him playing at this level. He just doesn't add enough uh, what a, a fullback can do or, or wherever they decide to play him uh, for the Waratahs. So ultimately, you know, a big signing, disappointing, but the Reds far superior as we all expected. You know, who lost the faith in that opening five minutes? Not me, no one. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I put a tweet out that uh, now that five minutes, my three dollars was in trouble. Um, but uh, plenty of Waratahs fans came back and told me, No, no, don't worry, you're safe. It proved to be um, a couple of points there. I think Jack Maddox, I think you've been a tad harsh on him. Uh, 12 carries, 53 meters by far the top for the Waratahs. At times, uh, he did, um, sort of uh, sort of cleaned up some work uh, in there. Um, behind that kind of team performance, I think he was yeah, always going to struggle. Tizano, though, though, I've got to say, um, 25 tackles, uh, um, only two missed. That was, yeah, as you say, big, big shift from the young fella. Um, let's hope they don't burn him out with that kind of work rate. Yeah, guys, the other thing is, I mean, the Voratas declined four very kickable penalties right in front of the posts. And on three occasions, when they declined it, the Reds pretty much went the length of the field through phase play, and then they scored twice. So, again, it just came down to some brain-dead tactics. And also, when they were down to 14 men, really, they should have looked at killing the clock. And, you know, it's, to, to me, it's, it was just very poor all around. And uh, Waratahs really didn't belong at that level and that intensity of rugby yesterday. I yeah, think the theme from this weekend was that was, was teams turning down three, not getting it over the line, and the other team marching down the field. I think the Reds in the second half, especially, you've talked about how the Waratahs, like Stephen says, come back into that game early in the second half. I think the Reds went to half time, and oh, big bad, big, big bad Brad would have said, We're in control. This is this is our game. We're we're leading what twenty seven seven at the break. Um, they're a man down for almost twenty minutes. 
it's, it's a simple game plan. It's like if they want to get into the game, they have to make things happen. We don't have to make things happen. We can just go down there, um, yeah, force it into their sort of their area. And I think when you got to that final 10 minutes, uh, like we mentioned earlier, and they got a little bit a bit fancy and scored a couple of late tries, and the Reds are just like, we've done that. We, we've, we've forced them. Uh, to play. Now we're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, try to the debutant as well, which is always nice to see coming off the bench right at the end. So, yeah, it's. I think the Reds has had a, a better game plan. They started eventually over that first half better, controlled the game, uh, and forced the Waratahs to try and do something they probably didn't want to do. Forced them, like you say, to kick to the corner instead of going for the sticks with Harris and the team. They'd normally be a team that always go for the three points. So they made them uncomfortable, put them in, in situations they didn't want and, and controlled the game uh, through that, you know, very dominant first 40 minutes. Right, let's, um, yep, I think we've, we've covered everything off. Yep, finished 41 to 7. So Queensland Reds getting, obviously, the bonus, try bonus point win in that one. No losing bonus point for the Waratahs, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> the uh, quick question in the live chat. Hey, guys, any news on David Havili and Will Jordan injuries? I'm afraid not from me. Um, and those are two key players for the Crusaders. So, wow. Uh, not uh, not a good, good pre-season hit-out if you've lost a couple of players like that um, through five, but we'll obviously hopefully here during the week. Um, any you guys got any uh, any information on those? Lots of shaking heads for those of you guys in the podcast. Um, great podcasting, guys. I love your work. Um, moving on then to the uh, second game, and I must say I went off to bed at this point before this one. Oh. I had a little day. Um, the uh, but for, for, but I have watched it today. Don't worry, I have caught up on it today. Um, look for me, this one was um, the, 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 the for me the, the, the Brumbies showed that they are more of a team, um, whereas Western Force still perhaps individuals. Both sides though met, um, butchered try scoring opportunities um, early on. A forward pass from Banks, where basically he could have thrown it anywhere backwards. It could have bounced three or four times. Um, his winger could have turned around, picked it up. Um, gone off for a coffee, come back, and still scored. He had that much space. Um, so, yeah, butchered opportunities from both sides. Uh, yeah, so the 11-27 scoreline, not a reflection, actually, on the number of opportunities that we saw in that game. Um, so if you want to look at a, a positive, if you want to look at positives before you get too much involved into what happened, a positive, the Western Force know how to play a good game. They know what they have to do. They are just struggling Maybe, like you say, it's coming down to the teamwork and, and the continuity of the side, but they know how to play a good game. They know how to clean out rucks really, really fast. They know how to get the ball out. The Brumbies were on the back foot. A lot of that matchup, take the score out of it, and a lot of that game you could watch it and say the Western Force are the better team here because large periods of that game, they were in the Brumbies' half. They had a lot of uh, phases over and over and over again. They were on the attack. They were in the right parts of the field. They just lacked finishing. They just massively lacked finishing. I think that come down to their midfield partnership, I think, was a big problem. So Kahui come in and started in the place of Godwin. I think you just had two very similar players. Uh, Kahui's not the all-black um, that he was yeah, back when he played, uh, what was that, 2011 in those glory days. He's just now a fairly strong lad who just goes crashing right through. And then oh, outside him is oh another fairly large lad who just goes crashing on through. Uh, if you're a winger in that force team with that sort of lineup, you're struggling. Like how many times do we see Byron Rolston in that match? Not enough, uh, in my opinion. He got a few kicks uh, they come back for, but he didn't get the chance on the outside. Those guys were a bit predictable. Uh, they got the good ball, the fast ball, went straight out. Hey, there's Kahui. Poof. 
There's three defenders. He's crushed. That, poof, next phase, poof, there's Kurandrani. Another three guys take him out. That's it. Another phase down. They needed a bit more something. As much as Godwin's not the player, he probably was a couple of years ago either when he's at the Brumbies. I think he might have added a little bit something different as a, a bit more of a playmaker as opposed to just a, a bulldozer sort of guy. But I was, you know, from a, a force perspective, because I like the underdog sort of team here, I thought they had a good idea. They executed it in patches. And they put the Brumbies under a lot more pressure than they probably would have liked, but they just couldn't execute those finishes. How many tries did they leave out there easily, you know, three or four that maybe last year with that finishing ability that they gave chances to, they might have put a couple more of those away. So, yeah, just to back you up with those stats there. So, um, um, Kahui, uh, five passes and 10 runs. When he did pass it, though, Kieran Drani, one pass, 13 runs. So, as you say, yeah, it might have got out and occasionally get out again. But boy, oh boy, did those two decide that they were going to t- truck it up. Um, too often. Yeah, too often, exactly. Stephen? Yeah, there's a real dead army look about that uh, Western Force back line <laughs> with, uh, with Carney there and, and Kahui and Kurandrani and, you know, God, Godwin's no spring chicken. No. Either sort of thing. And John O'Lance has been around, the, been around the, a few different uh, uh, franchises in Australia. So, yeah... I, you know, I suppose for me, the, the thing is, I, I want to see some young talent coming through. You know, we mentioned the Waratahs before. Yeah, they're struggling, but at least you're seeing some new names out on the paddock. And I, I don't know if if they're, they're any better than what they were before. They Everything would have to click to go for them. And I think it was important that they got away to a really, really good start. Mm-hmm. And they did get, get away to a reasonable start. But the problem is you've got to nail those early opportunities to put good teams under pressure. Score, a little bit of scoreboard pressure. A couple of early tries, you know, that can swing the momentum big time. Yeah, I mean, the 11-27 makes it look a bit closer than it really was um, because um, it was, like, wasn't it 27-6 um, or something for a long time? So, yeah, it was, uh, I'm pretty sure that, that was a score in the last sort of five minutes that, um, that made it look slightly more respectable than it was. And we, there were some nice touches from Rob Carney um, who did a, a cool little banana kick for to, to try and get a... Um, a 50-22 that just rolled the wrong side of the flag. Um, so you could see that his brain was working um, and just perhaps the body wasn't quite executing what it used to do. Uh, as you say, a bit of a dad's army kind of thing there um, with this side. Uh, and then you also got players like um, Jamie Thrush in the forwards as well. Lots of exp- I mean, The content has kept on talking about the number of internationals we've seen on the pitch. Yeah, the number of internationals who haven't played for their team in the last 10 years. I, 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 a tad over the top there, last five years, maybe. But even so, um, the uh, so yeah, so it's um, that's but in some ways, I think the force. Uh, look, this was the first time playing at home in Super Rugby in over three years, like three and a half years now. Um, so you can understand why they've got a board in experience to try and build a squad from um, from zero to uh, to competitive quickly, uh, and then hopefully we'll see over the next five years that they have the proper um, pathways in the West to bring local players through uh, is what is what you hope for. A um, bit of nodding there, Bar. Yeah, look, uh, I'm, I'm dead against using these uh, players well past their use by date. And, you know, you know, this sort of thing you see in other sports like professional boxing where, you know, you bring a boxer and uh, an opponent who's uh, who was a world champion 20 years ago and then all of a sudden a young buck beats him and says, you know, I, I beat a former world champion. Only difference is, you know, he or she's well past their mid-40s. So this sort of thing is 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 not productive. And, you know, I have a, a number of 
friends who coach in Western Australia. They have a, a, a very good local club rugby structure and some very good players in there. So they should be really, as a franchise, looking to blood these players in. Uh, and this has been a big uh, gripe of some of the lo uh, you know local coaches in the Western Australian uh, Union. Uh, and and it, again, it shows just a bit of a disconnect between the force, the, the, the main franchise team representing the region, and the provincial club. So, again, uh, you know, if you're going to lose, you might as well do that, blooding some young players, giving them experience. I and mean, what's the point in going and getting some old war horses and, and getting, uh, getting the L anyway? So, to me, from a coaching point of view, from a player development point of view, it makes zero sense. And all it's doing is, you know, just giving uh, people who used to be superstars a little bit of a limelight. And it's 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 a failed experiment. I mean, so how many teams have tried this in the past and they've failed? So, yeah, what can I say? One thing I can say, I think Nick White is now my most is, is one is coming top of my list of most annoying players um, at the moment. Um, with uh, uh, having come back from Exeter, which is actually my team, um, to uh, over in the UK, but. Uh, yeah, he was um, an annoying player talking to the referee way, way too much, and he's not the captain. Um, we'd love him to shut up. Um, but um, he ran that team, uh, and I think we are seeing a lot of play off the nines uh, in, in both these games, <coughs> which I think is a, is, is a kind of a new norm. Um, it's that the, yeah, the fly half only calls it out to him when they can see there's an overlap or a mismatch that they can take on. Otherwise, um, it's... Uh, controlled by that, so by, by the scrum half there. Um, look, the force, again, when uh, Nick White was running across them, I think their rush defence, uh, they got a bit tied in that second half as well, which didn't help things either. Um, but, uh, yeah, Brumbies and the Reds, both um, notching off pretty comfortable, well, well, very comfortable in the case of the Reds, but I think pretty comfortable in the case of the, fort, the Brumbies um, and uh, showing why they're the top two uh, in the... Uh, in the conference by some some distance. Yeah. yeah well, well, one thing I have to say is the Brumbies, you know, they play a very predictable pattern. It's a 2-2-2 two, 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 and one man out on the wing. Uh, a very predictable uh, attack pattern. But they do it really well. You know, very clinical. So some early really good signs that they've put some, you know, real thought into their training runs. Uh, but again, you know, if, if this whole... Um, Trans-Tasman Super Rugby goes uh, goes ahead and, you know, there's there's teams free to travel. I expect our local teams to really put some big numbers on these Australian teams because based on what I'm seeing first up, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very predictable. Uh, and also uh, the, the defensive abilities or the inabilities in the midfield was very blaring to see. For example, in that Brumbies game, you know, the, the force got really opened up in that midfield, whereas as you rightly pointed out, Paul, uh, when the Brumbies started resorting to playing off the nine, running those hard lines, very flat. And there were a couple of passes which were, well, I'm being very charitable by saying flat when the referee was right in front of the ice. Uh, but they got away with it. So good on them. But yeah. I'll be interested to see how this style goes against the Reds for the Brumbies. Um, it's, it's, it's all well and good to sort of suffocate a team like the Force. I think they'll get away against it uh, with the, the Rebels and, and the Waratards as well. They'll you know, just grind those sort of games out like they have here this weekend. But I think against the Reds, we're not going to get that um, dominance, especially in the pack. If anything, that there'll be a battle slash may even go to the Reds side of things um, in, in that set piece and those sort of areas. That's going to change things. Um, and the Reds are going to want to run. Uh, they want to give the ball 
to Dalgunu. <laughs> they want to give the ball to the guys on the outside channels. Paisami, he's a he's a strong runner, but he's also an elusive runner. He gets around men as well as going through men. So they've got a bit more adaptability, a bit more um a talent, I guess you just say in that back line. They're gonna they're gonna give you something else to think about as well as running about their forward pack who are going to be doing things uh, against you as well. So there's no real safe place. But yeah, like Bo says, you come against those New Zealand teams as well, that is a whole different sort of style completely to what they're going to face in Australia. So if that does happen, the Brumbies probably won't look so bulletproof. But over in Australia, uh, they certainly are. And I think this is, I said that back when this whole Super Rugby AU and Aotearoa thing started, for Australia, this has been a massive opportunity for them to clean out and say, we're only playing Australian teams. We're going to win, we're going to lose, but we're going to win something. Uh, now's the time to to bring everyone in. We're not going to go to New Zealand for three weeks and just get smashed by 40 points every time. We'll go to Africa um, and just get hammered away over there. We can bring guys through that are going to build confidence in their ability and, and know that they can get victories um, for some of them as well. So that was the ultimate time for them to really bring that new core through because they're only playing other Australian sides. It's the ultimate time for them to do it without that fear to be going straight to these young guys to just lose and lose and lose and lose uh, like the Australian teams had been doing. But it's not probably gone, you know, as uh, as well as they thought. It's almost this season gone back the other way a little bit as well in some cases. So a bit of a shame, but we'll see, you know, what the rest of the season brings. Uh, guys, key players are already getting injured. So, yeah, they're going to have to bring them up through somewhere. The young guys are going to have to come through, and they're going to have to they have to stand up. They have got no choice. It's yeah, you know, it's just the way things things go, and we get to see what those guys are made out of. We've already seen all those guys, new players in the Reds, new players in the Brumbies, and they're starting to show. You know, we're talking about guys that didn't exist, uh, you know, two weeks ago on on the Super Rugby radar. So it's only got to be a positive thing for them if they keep bringing those guys through. Yeah, I mean, look, we talk about the. Brumbies being uh, that predictable, um, and I think a lot of people will talk about their line-out more, but they've developed beyond that line-out more. It might be predictable, but it's still, I mean, Simone, um, as, as that second play, as, as that playmaking second, uh, second five eight or inside centre, eight passes, eight runs. Um, Ikatua, the, the, the new um, 13 there, um, six, um, six passes, nine runs. Muirhead, eight carries out in one wing. Um, Hansen, nine carries out in the other wing. With, with 12 carries, four banks and 11 passes. Those backs are willing to play it around um, amongst each other, which is good to see. Yeah, I think this this isn't the same Brumbies side or as forward a dominated Brumbies side as it was, say, three, four years ago, where they literally just had that line-out wall and nothing else. Um, I, don't think the, I don't think the Brumbies were probably expecting what they got from the force in that match either. They got, like, that line-out wall got stopped from the force. It wasn't a weapon in that game. The force knew what was coming and, and credit to them, they had the ability to stop it on numerous occasions. So I think the Brumbies probably got a bit, a bit put out as to, you know, what's his plan B? Are we going to this already in week one? What's going on here? Um, they didn't involve, I think, when they do want to play in their backs, they involved Tom Banks a lot more. He didn't get too much, what do you say, four runs or something in that? So not yeah. as much involvement. It, it, it's 11 runs, sorry, 11 passes, oh. 12 runs. It was actually quite runs. Yeah. So he did get involved quite a bit, but I didn't, you didn't see him. You didn't see him yeah. too much getting in, into into the broken play and things like that as you normally would in that back line when they actually try and run things. So, yeah, we'll see. They'll, they'll adapt. You know that that's not the full hand of the Brumbies. There's no way, uh, especially uh, with the Reds coming up. So, yep, I think they played more than they would have liked against the Force, but um, there's still plenty more to come from them. 
Um, Stephen, you need to uh, unmute. <laughs> I thought I'd look back to 2020, 20, 20, um, just the, at least the first part of, of Super Rugby, because um, just out of interest, the Crusaders were leading when, when the competition was shut down proper, and that was after, I think, the seventh round. The Crusaders were leading on 30 points. The Brumbies were on 28, and the Reds were on 25. Those were your top three teams, guys. Um, we, sh we shouldn't forget that. That was when we had the, the full quota of, of Super Rugby teams running around last year. So I can recall one game, one very good game as well. That was round six against the Crusaders down in Christchurch. And the Reds were very, very unlucky not to have won that game. In fact, they scored a couple of brilliant tries that night. So they've actually been a team on the rise for a very, very long time. Now, we underestimate these guys at our peril, for crying out loud. And we always know that the, the Brumbies have had a distinctive style. If they get they get in the red zone, yeah, they're going to maul. I think their hookers picked up the, the highest try scorer for a couple of seasons in a row, hasn't he? Um, so they know how to use that weapon very, very well. So let's not underestimate these underestimate these guys when we come to, to play them again because with a few more games under their belt they'll be way better. Uh, Simon Hughes also asked the question before, is it good for Australian rugby, the Waratahs? To me it doesn't matter. The Blues were rubbish for, the Blues were rubbish for years it didn't take were. it, it didn't, didn't take the uh, it didn't take the um, it didn't stop the All Blacks from, uh, from transgression. That's what I'm saying. Just because you've got a big area doesn't mean yeah, they farm a lot of players out to other parts of the union. Yeah, even the Highlanders as well, props them up as well. Um, you know, the Waratahs do exactly the same. They farm a lot of players out to other parts of Australia. Maybe their big problem is a little bit like the Blues. They don't know how to pick the good ones, but you can see that the Blues, the Blues have obviously changed that in the last couple of years or so, guys. So let's not, let's not get too cocky. Because remember how we well, got cocky? When we split that competition up last year, yeah, sure, it's two or three. We all know that Australia doesn't have the depth. But when you come to international rugby, you just need 23 good guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, remind me, didn't we get beaten by these guys last year in a test match? The Pumas? And, no, the Australians? <laughs> We did, and, and, and the retribution was pretty swift and brutal as well. So, yeah. oh, as, honest, uh, the, the, the Pumas flattered to deceive, in my opinion. Yeah, they got that, they got that great result last year, but they flattered to deceive. Uh, Simon, uh, one other thing I have to say is with uh, Michael Checker not being in the coaching box any further, I mean, he had a, he had a big. Uh, biased towards the New South Wales players, and you know that's. I mean, guys, this is my opinion. I mean, looking how how he selected players over his tenure, he'd always pick the uh, you know New South Wales guys, and now with a uh, different coach, different coaching staff, I think we will see more and more players where they will start getting younger players, blooding them into the system, looking to build towards twenty twenty three and probably beyond. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that uh, New South Wales aren't doing well and they're struggling a wee bit. Um, and it's, it's, it's probably a bit of a transition period for rugby Australia as well. So we'll wait and see 
Uh, and as you guys pointed out, there were some there's some real good players out in the other teams as well. So it's going to be an interesting time coming up. Yeah, so I just throw it there on the on the screen for those who are watching the recording rather than on the uh, podcast. Uh, the results of the All Blacks last year, so you can remember um, that. Yeah, the Australia got both the draw and the win against the All Blacks. Um, look, yeah, as you say they just need 23. They've got two good teams in the Brumbies and the Reds. Um, we, we could be seeing a decent Wallabies side uh, out, of, out of that, out of, out, predominantly out of those two teams. Um, any final points, boys, before we wrap up? Well, if I'm going to give my good player, bad player report, uh, like I seem to be like doing at the moment, um, from this game, a force, Fergus Lee Warner. I, I like to go a little bit out of the, um, you know, out of the obvious here. Uh, this guy carried a lot. Paul will back up the stats. I'm sure he'll be ready and going with that. Uh, card carrier, a good cleaner, but he always seemed to get over the advantage zone when he did carry the ball. And for the force, it was something they probably did lack uh, with some players not getting that forward momentum and keeping the forwards on the front foot. Uh, he was a good carrier throughout the game. Um, but there wasn't too many standouts there. Well, there are yeah, guys like Bernard Stander, a guy who normally does that very, very well, I thought was a bit quiet uh, for the Western force. And I, I just have to go on and throw there. I thought Rob Carney was rather solid. A good few runs. But most importantly, with Rob Carney, and the biggest thing that he's going to be for the force, high ball, he catches it every <laughs> single time. He was flawless under the high ball. And that is something that teams just cannot attack the force with because he he was sensational under that high ball, a real standout for the force. So, you know, mix it up. I think you can't just high kick to them and expect to get some free ball back. For the Brumbies, I've got one man, one man only. I thought this guy was massive. And um, you probably wouldn't guess him if you had 14 guesses because you were the 15th guy you picked out. Cade Neville. 19 carries for Fergus Lee Warner. Monumental. Monumental. Get that stat board up again. Uh, Cade Neville uh, for the Brumbies, Paul. Consistently a pain in the backside full of force. How many rucks did he disrupt? Malls did he disrupt? He was an absolute nuisance. If you're a Force fan, you'll be putting his face on the dartboard and throwing all your packets of darts at him because he was an absolute pain. He he just killed everything uh, for a long period of that match. And a lot of those chances that the Force had throughout that game, he was the catalyst for you know the, the mall getting disrupted. He was the catalyst for the, the ball being slowed down, the ruck or a turnover or just something. He was into everything. And for a guy in the second row, there we go. See, who needs stats? You just watch this show and you got everything you need. 24 tackles, only one missed. But hey, for my opinion, it was more his breakdown. Breakdown uh, work and more work. Uh, he was brilliant throughout. So there you go. Watch those guys in the future. It's, it's it's all forwards for me, which is a bit weird. I don't normally pick on the forwards, but hey, you know, it'll give uh, the big props to Rob Carney. Uh, for me, I have to say Harry Wilson, I think he's a real star in the making. He's got his tackle technique and entry point height sorted out. I think he's another Owen Finnegan in the making, except he's from the other side, Queensland Reds. Uh, you know, love his aggressive style. I think it'll be a really nice matchup to see him up against, um, well, I wish Jerome Kaino was in action, but he's not. So, uh, yeah, real star to watch out from the Wallabies. He's, he's going to have a big impact, especially on that forward pack. He's going to be, be a real nuisance for the All Blacks uh, in, in some of the upcoming tests. So, yeah, for me, he's the real one to watch. Mr. Harris, uh, the, uh, the lovely yeah, straw hat. Yeah, just, just for me, um, yeah, a couple of reasonable crowds 
it wouldn't you bet that's one of the better crowds I've actually seen for a Super Rugby game um, at uh, at Suncorp for a while. It, it wasn't full by any any means, but it was good to see a good uh, sprinkling of people there. And of course, at the uh, Western Force, the disappointing thing for me though, uh, why you'd have both games on the same night is beyond me. But mm. uh, you are attracting an Australian audience, so it's it's one of those things. But I would have probably had one on the on the uh, yeah exactly. Most most of the audience would have probably gone to sleep. 2 a.m. By then, if they, if they hadn't gone to sleep through the first game. Watching <laughs> Australian rugby um, at 2 a.m. is like, oh. Yeah, I, I have to confess, I, I caught the first half, so I'm a bit of a rugby nerd. What can I say? Yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit like Paul. I probably, I watched the first 20 odd minutes ago, but I think, I think I could see the writing on the wall for the uh, for the Western Force, and I just caught up, caught the rest of the game on the uh, highlights package. Shocking. Guys, so, uh, just shocking. Where's the dedication? Where's the two AM? You know, staying up, filing reports, you know, getting in, getting in the the big uh, hitting information. And look at this. Paul Paul's onto it already. Goodness me, he's hey. You know what? Australian rugby. The Reds are going to dominate that. You've talked a lot about it. I think the Reds are going to be the, the team to watch this week. Uh, this week, this whole season for Australian rugby. But before we go, before Paul gets into his little outro, this has always gone on too long. But there was a yellow card in this matchup. No one's really talked about it. How did the Brummies get away so long of not conceding at that yellow card sooner? How many final warnings did they get in that game uh, throughout before they got poor old James Slipper got slapped in the face with it? But uh, yeah, I think I think got a bit of a free run on that yellow card for probably a good 10-15 minutes before they actually got it. Thoughts? Spec savers, spec savers, spec savers. <laughs> and then, guys, what I was, what I was, what I should have said was the matchup I'd really like to see is Harry Wilson up against Liam Squire. I, that'd be a bruising one-on-one. And yeah, two two very similar sort of players, very aggressive and they're very good ball-carrying options. I think Squire's got a, a bit of a, a, a variety in his game out wide. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's going to be a matchup we could look forward to over the next few years, hopefully, provided that both of them are injury-free and ready for selection. I, I hope Liam Squire has just found his, uh, his hunger for the game again because I just got the impression... When he when he basically walked away from a World Cup opportunity, and yeah, the head of course wasn't quite quite right. So it'll be interesting to see if he actually, first of all, gets an opportunity with the Highlanders. They're very strong with these forwards, so we'll see how that plays out. Straight in, absolutely. So, folks, we only had two games to talk about tonight, and we've already gone three quarters of an hour. This is supposed this is supposed to be a half hour show on a Sunday evening. Uh, when we get four games next weekend, I'm sure we will uh, manage to get back under a half hour, or at least under two and a half hours, at least. Um, before the <laughs> for that one, uh, look, we've got lots of coverage here on New Zealand Sports Radio 7 a.m. every single morning. We have the morning sports briefing with keep up with you, keep up to, up to all the scores and the important sports news. Uh, swinging from the hip at 8 p.m. on Mondays, that we'll be back with rugby again on Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Um, we're driving more show. Um, obviously, we've covered off in the games here, so it's not about the game, it's about the new, it's about the, about the kind of uh, all, all the news around the sport uh, in that one. And I'm sure Boa will be wanting to talk about five red cards. In the uh, <laughs> evening, Wednesday evening, we've got the standoff show. Um, we've got a preseason special for you where um, Brad will be running through the five players he sees as being standout for the um, Warriors and five players who need to step up. We'll be previewing the games on Thursday evening at 8 pm, all four of the Super Rugby games next weekend. Um, and uh, next weekend, we'll see. We might have some post match reactions straight after the games. That's going to be an ad hoc thing, folks. Before we have the next newsletter at seven a uh, sorry nine a.m. on Saturday, uh, which uh, comes up on all your A League news 
and also we'll be back here on Sunday at 8 p.m. yet again with the Super Rugby Review Show. So, um, great to uh, say 99,000 apparently viewers um, watching um, the Waratahs versus the uh, Reds game. Um, and uh, the uh, in a head-to-head -head clash with um, the tennis. So, hey, look, with the Australian Open on, um, not a bad start there for Super Rugby AU with their viewing figures. Thank you, boys, for joining me. Um, and um, as I say, folks, uh, plenty of content coming to you or plenty of shows coming to you here on New Zealand Sports Radio. And don't forget, I was at the Jet Sprint uh, yesterday, so a whole bunch of videos and interviews coming up from the Jet Sprint um, as well. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market